Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. We are We Love Philly. Our mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the streets of Philadelphia and bring back the brotherly love to the city of brotherly love. Each week, we bring an individual or organization that's making Philly a better place. We hope you enjoy and let's dive in. Welcome everybody to the We Love Philly podcast. Hey everyone, it's Yario. Hey guys, it's Gabriel. We are joined today with NAC Program Director, working with ASE in the Fairhill neighborhood, Stasia Montero. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about gentrification happening in the Fairhill neighborhood and how ASE is giving someone an opportunity to find a place to call home also talk about how ASE is giving hope to individuals in the community by educating them and empowering them. And ASE is lifting us up little by little. Not only is it giving hope, I think it's giving lessons, teaching people about things that they don't know that's happening behind Mm. the scenes. And we also talk about the history of ASE and what they have been doing in the neighborhood since 1982. If you have the opportunity, visit us at we Love Philly on Instagram. Come to our website, welovephilly.org. We are having our May 8th fundraiser. We'll be at 2820 North 4th Street selling Mother's Day cards that students make in class, flowers. We'll be planting trees. We will be giving out wildflower boxes. So come stop and say hi. We'll be there from sunrise to sunset. We have already raised $10,000 of the $25,000 that we need for our shipping container. And yeah, we're going to do it. So come and say hello and we hope to be of service to you soon and now our episode with stasia montero thank you so much for coming down here i know it's very confusing (laughs) once you get in the mall it's so overwhelming Yeah, something new. I wasn't expecting this here. Is this your first time in the mall since it is no longer the gallery? I think it is, yeah. Oh, wow. What's your first impression? Yeah, it's just unexpected. There's stores like you would expect in a mall, but I had no idea that this space was here, and it's just really neat to know that there's a creator space here. Rec has been so great to us and blessed us, and we probably come in with different students every podcast, and they're like, okay, we got to go in there and teach them how to do everything, but they love it, and they've embraced us, and it's been really cool. I guess I'll get right into the questions. I have one question. So I read on your website about a neck. Can you explain how that works? Sure. Like what it is? Sorry. The NAC program is actually a city-funded program through the Division of Housing Community Development. And so there are approximately 30, give or take, organizations in the city of Philadelphia that have a NAC contract. And the goals of the program are to connect community members to housing resources that can provide stability and a level of support that they might need. Also to provide a civic platform for discourse around neighborhood development and different initiatives that people might have interest in. So part of that is gathering community members to come to consensus on initiatives they want to take on and then supporting them in actually realizing those visions they have. And then in addition to that, we do a lot of outreach to make sure that people are aware of different services, different programs. And in the wake of COVID, that's looked like rental assistance outreach, home repair outreach, outreach about different developments that we are in the process of building in the neighborhood that we want people to be a part of decision making on. So it's a lot. And it looks different at every organization, but at ASE, it weaves into so many of our other engagement programs and also into our Housing Counseling and Neighborhood Energy Center to make sure people are aware of the free counseling services that are available to them. Is there any chances the youth can work with HASE? Definitely. 
So one of the main ways we do that is through the community connector position, which mm. is a part-time position that works directly with the NAC and other engagement programs. That role involves outreach, also prepping communications for us, like a monthly mailing that we send out to households in our service area, and then just helping with other events and initiatives that ASE is taking on. What are some other events that you guys have? It's a funny year, right? Yeah. With COVID and everything, one of our big annual events that we would normally do in the summer is uh, Fiesta Caribeña, which is our biggest annual event and is a fundraiser that supports the work that ASE does, as well as inviting different community partners for a day to share resources. And also we have performances from musicians and, and dance organizations that are reflective of the community culture. So that's one big event. Recently, we did a vaccination event for the community. Oh. So we had uh, 300 vaccines available to distribute to community members. And we're really glad to be able to provide that service. And then we get invited to do various things, give tours to either community organizations or local students or other folks who have an interest in learning about what's going on in the neighborhood. So those are some things that happen. But honestly, there's just so much more yes. that, <laughs> that we could talk yes. about. When we were researching, we've seen Hase has been around since 1982. How have you been able to gain the community's trust? In 1982, there was a small group of folks who were galvanizing around economic pressures in the neighborhood that were forcing uh, Latino businesses to decide whether or not to close. And the formation came about to help preserve and protect those businesses and preserve the Latino commercial corridor, now known as Centro de Oro, around Fifth Street and Lehigh. And now we have a Main Street program that works with business owners to support them with different resources to make it easier for them to operate. So part of the trust building is responding to pressures that are affecting people and coming up with solutions that are helpful. So that's how that happened in terms of the businesses. Now, when it comes to housing services, we have a robust housing counseling team. And when we say we're going to do something, we follow through. And that's another important part of trust building, because so often there are people who are experiencing a lot of empty promises, waiting so long for things to happen that have been deferred. And so we take it really seriously that we follow up on what we say we're going to do. And then one more thing is that, like I said, with the civic platforms of the NAC program, we invite people into conversations and are really clear about parameters. Here's what we have the capacity to do. Here's where we would need to look to external partners or some other solutions for the problems we're talking about. So just being clear and being in conversation with people and as much as possible, leveraging the lived experiences to inform the work that we do and shape neighborhood development in a way that's reflective of the community. Wow. So it wasn't a government program. It started from individuals in the community who got together and started something. Yeah, the nonprofit itself, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I love hearing and that. And how are the people supposed to sign up for all of this? Uh, so if they wanted to enroll in our different housing programs that we can connect them to, they would just set up an appointment with a housing counselor. And right now, the way we do that is either by phone or we have some virtual visits and we also see clients in person in a COVID safe way. Yeah, the housing counselors are a big way that people sign up for housing and energy related services. And then with our Main Street program, our coordinator there offers recurring business association meetings to provide people with information about resources. And then they reach out to her to sign up for anything they might want. And yeah, again, we offer to be a liaison to the various services that are out there. So we enroll people in all sorts of programs. I have a question. I live near one of your community centers for the seniors. What's that about? 
So we have affordable housing that serves uh, senior populations. We also have multifamily affordable housing. And that's a big part of the work that we do is building affordable housing for folks. And we understand the need is greater than the supply. So the most recent uh, development we built was Casa Indiana, second in Indiana in North Philly, as we serve the Fair Hill neighborhood. And so that serves 50 households with affordable units and a higher quality of life. And actually, it's been celebrated for the design and the intentions. And as we continue to do development, we're trying to link that to other benefits. So across the street is what we're referring to now as Willow Park. We're in the process of revitalizing that space to make it a safe haven for the seniors who live there, as well as other community members. Our our housing is designed to be safe, affordable for the long term, and we find that our seniors tend to age in place when they get there. I really like that that you guys are doing that because I've seen that building closed down for a while because I live nearby and I've never seen it like that before. When I started working, I I went by, it was so beautiful. I really Mm -hmm. liked it. The work that Hase is doing is amazing. If you had a magic wand and you had all the resources and all the money, what would you do in Fairhill? What three things (laughs) would you tackle? One thing that immediately comes to mind is safe and nourishing housing for everyone, because I just feel as though that is achievable. It's just there are so many barriers that we're facing right now to making it a reality. If I could wave a magic wand and make sure that everybody had a house forever, I would do that immediately, because I think that stability is just so critical to every other facet of people's lives. So that's one. Two... I would make sure that everything that's surrounding is equitably funded. So we understand that schools, for example, are not equitably funded, and that has a huge impact on people's lives. Making sure that the environment is nurturing, having more trees to provide shade and relief. So creating an equitable environment. So big buildings are getting built in those areas, and the non-profitable families are getting pushed out. How are you able to help them? Yeah, we understand gentrification is a huge factor in the neighborhood. And one of the things that we're doing is actually building a community land trust that will have, again, permanently affordable housing for people. We are providing that alongside our credit academy that we recognize credit is a huge barrier for people to actually access a mortgage that they need to buy a home. So we have some parallel strategies that we're enacting to get people ready to take on home ownership and also offer high quality housing at an affordable price in perpetuity through a community land trust model. So that's one of the ways. And then at the same time, we're also enhancing some public spaces so that the housing that people live in is close by to things that they need, like outdoor recreation, spaces for connection with people of all generations spaces for cultural performance or local makers to sell their goods and services. So as much as possible, creating platforms for people who are in that sort of moderate to low income bracket to be able to have access to connection, have access to stability, and be able to build wealth for themselves and their families. So we recently learned about gentrification, and I know probably some listeners who don't know what it is. Can you explain about it? Sure. Gentrification often looks like market rate housing, like Gabriel was describing, coming into a place where the income levels are lower than that market rate. And some of the challenges that can come with that is that the public space starts to cater to a certain demographic that is not reflective of those people who have been there for a very long time. 
So that's why the public space and being really intentional about how we build it is so important. Gentrification can also look like displacement because the rates of rent are going up. And so in a community like Fairhill, where we have not the highest of home ownership rates, and that's something we're attentive to, people are stuck having to rent. And if they don't have options for affordable rent, that can be a factor that drives them into a different area. And the other part of it is the disinvestment that precedes the gentrification. And people can get really frustrated that they've had to put up with disinvestment for so long, only to see that once money is invested in a specific way, that they are not even included in that. So again, like when we make investments, we are trying to include those people who are so often overlooked and deprioritized when it comes to market rate development. Do you mind explaining what a land trust is? And then two, do you believe that model is the way to combat gentrification? A land trust can create permanently affordable housing if it is managed by some sort of entity that holds that land in perpetuity. And there are a lot of mechanics that people know more than I do about it, but essentially there's a ground lease on the land, and then there's the improvement on top of the land, which is basically the house or whatever it is that you're building. And so when you have a land trust, the entity holds onto that ground lease while the new homeowner actually owns the improvement on the land. And that comes with a deed restriction to say that if you sell this house in the future, you can only sell it at such and such a rate to keep it affordable. So it's a way of preserving affordable housing by capping the amount of profit that any given homeowner can take if they choose to sell it. And there are lots of different ways that uh, community land trusts can be governed. That's something that there are people who are more knowledgeable than me about. But I think that if done with a lot of intentionality and in a way that's reflective with the community, that land trusts could definitely be a solution. Yes, thank you for explaining that. Yeah, yeah Jana, so do you understand that? Yeah, a little bit. So when we are doing the shipping container, that's the model we want to take with it. So what students are the most invested in the shipping container? And if we're comparing it to the land trust, which community members are the most invested into the improvements that are going to happen on top of the land, which Stasia said is a house. So if you're putting a house on a piece of land, that piece of land has more value. And with that more value, you as the owner of it can make money from it if you want it, you can continue to improve the value. And then if you sell it, you're selling it to someone else from the community that also will see it as something of value that they can also build upon. So when we talk about a community land trust, and Stasia says they're all different, it depends on what the community wants in the land trust and if they write down the rules. This is what we're gonna do if you're a part of this and you wanna be in, this is what you gotta follow, sort of like classroom rules. So when we do the shipping container, we haven't gotten there yet because we're still raising the money, but we're eventually going to have a meeting to say, hey, if Yadiel owns a piece of the shipping container and Gabriel owns a piece of the shipping container, but Yadiel's like, hey, I'm leaving Philly, I'm going to Los Angeles, he can then transfer a part of the shipping container to maybe another student and we'll be able to give him money for his part as the nonprofit and then be able to shift it to the other student and then you can start to learn about real estate etc does that make sense yep did i explain that right yeah i think that makes cool sense. Yeah. i i got a question so this is overall philadelphia what would you like to see some changes like what, what changes would i like to see yeah in philadelphia? sorry yeah I would love to see that every single person in Philadelphia has a home that is nourishing, that is safe, that is stable. I would love to see that 
The city of Philadelphia is looking at our history, our patterns, our inequities, and finding sustainable solutions for those things. And doing so in a way that really utilizes and, and invites people who are on the margins so frequently and so often left out of conversations and decisions around these things, that they are informing and driving those changes. Because you can draft a solution that can sound good in theory, but when it comes to what people are experiencing on the ground, that can look completely different. So it's just really important to consider how people, again, who are left on the margins, who are left out of these conversations, can be invited to help create those solutions and sustain them and have some autonomy and agency over their lives. Mm. I imagine in Fairhill, it's a little tougher to do it because there's a language barrier, specifically like if you're filling out a government form or you're just trying to deal with anything in homeownership, I'm sure not everything is readily available in Spanish. Is that something that Hase does? Is that part of your mission is how do we make this as accessible to the people in Fairhill? Definitely. Yeah, translation is something that is so important and not always well supported. And at ASE, we have a large number of bilingual staff who are able to help people who are Spanish speakers navigate the different processes and forms. And even in the past year, we had people coming to our offices who were receiving important communications about their housing and, and like their mortgage in English only, and they needed assistance with being able to understand the implications of what was coming to them. So our counselors are frequently offering that support and helping to guide people into the best path based on their situation. What are some ways we can come and volunteer for you guys? Yeah, so a good starting place would be joining our community meetings, uh, which we hold every second Wednesday at 5.30. And that's a good space to understand a little bit more about what we do and understand more about different events and opportunities that are coming up. So if we have a community cleanup, you would hear an announcement about that and we would invite you to be a part of it. If we have an event where we need some support, managing a table or something of that nature, we would invite you. It can be tough with volunteers. I think you need to build a relationship before you can actually invite a volunteer in. That's at least my philosophy on it. And that's a part of the work that we do is having those ongoing spaces for conversation to make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're able to support each other effectively. And what are ways that you spread this information out to the public? So I mentioned earlier we have a monthly mailing so we do share out information that way. Community meetings are a big part. We have some community residents who are faithful advocates, including Team NAS, Livability Academy graduates, who are basically extensions of the work that we do, and they help us to share information that people would need to know about. So if we have different events, we count on each of our community volunteers to help spread the word about those things, services and programs alike. Yeah, it's people, it's mailing, it's phone conversations, it's important briefings. So part of the NAC program is having service area briefings, sharing resources with people on an ongoing basis. It's a combination of events, phone calls, mailings, and also publishing things on our website as we can. It's a lot. <laughs> yes. How's your success rate with canvassing? So after the meeting, we're going to take a tour of the business corridor, and then we're going to canvas the neighborhood to see who wants the fruit-bearing trees that were gifted to us and the flower boxes. So we're going to be in the neighborhood of Fairhill after this doing that. Do you have any tips for us? Because <laughs> this is your first time canvassing ever. 
Gabriel? Yes, sir. And you too, yada yada. But you know the neighborhood, so you're going to have to guide us around. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, you're at 4th in Somerset, right? 4th in Cambria. 4th in Cambria. Yep. So yeah, do you have any canvassing tips? And do you have success with that? Yeah, so when it comes to canvassing, I think it's helpful to try to have those conversations with people. Because if you just drop a flyer on their door, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen to it. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it's a matter of needing to have volume. But if what you're trying to achieve is a trusting relationship where somebody ends up planting a tree that has implications into the future, it probably merits those one-on-one conversations to let them know, here are the benefits of planting this tree. Here's how we can make this really easy for you. And also, don't forget to introduce yourself. Because if people don't know who you are, then why do they want to do anything? That was awesome. I call this segment the Trinity of Truths. If you can go back in time and tell your teenage self three things, what would they be and why? Thank you. So for one, I would want to remind myself and other teens that learning is available in every moment and in every place that we invite it. Every moment can be a teacher if we let it. And I think that's so important because sometimes we can get bogged down with challenges and it can be hard to learn from it. Also, be intentional about embodiment because the reality is that we embody so much regardless of whether or not we're intentional about it. And when I talk about embodiment, it's a recognition that our body is our touch point to the world and everyone around us. Mm. So we need to take good care of that body because it has implications for how we move through the world. And then finally, I would say practice balance because I know I personally as a young person (laughs) had a tendency to be very external and not as internally balanced. And that balance is critical in terms of being able to show up for people in a way that is helpful. I want to take a moment to send some love your way. Mm -hmm. I appreciate everything you're doing in the community. I know, Gabriel, we spoke, and yada yada, we spoke before this, but our parents and grandparents migrated from Puerto Rico to Fairhill, and that's where I feel like a lot of the Puerto Rican journey started. So I appreciate what Hase has always done in the neighborhood, being there for people, including the people in the neighborhood. And yeah, I might not be here if it wasn't for the connection that happened in that neighborhood when my dad came here from Puerto Rico. So I appreciate everyone at Hase, and thank you so much. Do you have a website, something you want to shout out? Is there any events coming up for people in the neighborhood should know? Besides our May 8th fundraiser, if you want to come by, we'll be selling Mother's Day cards and flowers out front of 2820 North 4th Street, shameless plug. But yeah, is there anything going on? How can, do you have social media? Yeah, I guess I would point a lot of folks to look at our website, which is asecdc.org. And there you can find information about our programs, our services, as well as announcements about an exciting project that we're working on, which is the revitalization of Rivera Recreation and Manolder Adult Centers at 5th and Allegheny. This is a long-awaited renovation project, and as we do this, we are also going to be hosting a series of what we call story circles to hear from people in the neighborhood and develop a comprehensive intergenerational and community-responsive programming plan that can serve generations to come. One more question. What's your definition of love? So I think that love is very complex, and it is a balance of understanding and care and action that works in alignment and it's a commitment to lifelong learning so that we can continue growing into this embodiment of love of understanding of care and of action that all works in alignment never heard it like that before did we no, no. <laughs> that was beautiful that was like a poem that sounds amazing thank you so much for your time we appreciate you yeah thank you thank mm-hmm. you so much